This morning, uh, picking up right where we left off last week, um, last uh, Sunday morning we looked at verses 10 through 14, then in Sunday evening last week we looked at kind of the rest of the, the armor passage, and then we left this part out, and so that's why we're coming back. Uh, verse 18 is where we're at today. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. It says, Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that you have given us to uh, pray. Uh, Lord Jesus, we understand that it is by your work on the cross, it is by your death and your burial, your resurrection, the blood of Christ spilt for us that we Uh, have an open door uh, to the throne, uh, that we can come and speak to you uh, as our Father. Uh, Lord, we are so thankful today for that privilege. Thank you, God, that that we can come to you for help and for wisdom and for encouragement and for strength and to praise and to give thanksgiving and to confess our sins. Uh, Father, it's a great gift to pray. Thank you, Jesus, that you've given it. And Father, we pray that you'd help us to to learn to pray well, uh, to pray for each other, uh, to watch and pray. Uh, God, help us to persevere in prayer. We ask it in your name. Amen. Last week, we uh, started off talking about kind of the book of Ephesians and where we've been. And, and we talked about in, in chapters 1, 2, and 3 that Paul uh, really did a great job telling us what God has put in us as believers. How God has done these incredible, fascinating, supernatural things in every born-again believer. Uh, things like uh, uh, making us holy, making us righteous with the righteousness of Christ, giving us forgiveness of sins, uh, filling us with the Spirit of God. Just all of these incredible gifts that God has put in us. And then Paul makes a transition around chapter 4 to saying, okay, because God has put all that stuff in you, now you're going to live that out. Okay, That's going to come out of you. It, it has to happen. If God's put it in you, then that's going to have a, a radical transforming effect upon your life. And so now you're going to be putting off the old man and putting on the new man, right? And you're going to be doing things like putting off falsehood and putting on truth and putting off thievery and putting on uh, generosity. You're going to be uh, putting off anger and putting on reconciliation. And then, and then all the stuff that we've been looking at as far as the family and husbands and wives. And then last week we said, okay, so, so that's, that's the truth. God's put it in us. We're supposed to be living it out. But, but the reality that all of us face is that that's really hard, right? That's really hard sometimes. Not sometimes, really all the time. Uh, why is it so hard? And that's what we talked about last week is why... Why is it so hard uh, to, 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 be, uh, to put off falsehood, to put on truth, and not be bitter, and not be for unforgiving? And why is it so hard to, to be thankful for all things, and to submit to your husband, and love your wife like Christ loved the church, and obey your parents, and work hard joyfully with, to, to an unreasonable boss? Why, why are those things so hard? And, and we saw last week, it's hard because we're in a spiritual battle. We have a real enemy. We have something opposing us in, this, in the supernatural realm, on the supernatural level. We live in a God-dishonoring uh, world that, that's saturated and soaked with, with, with lies. Uh, the devil has proven schemes that, that he works against us. And, and so all of those things make it so hard. And so last week we looked at, at the defense that we have and how to gird ourselves up so that we're standing firm, so, so, that, so that we do these things that God has called us to do. 
Now, this morning what we're going to see is that prayer is part of that defense, okay? Prayer is a strategic weapon. If we look at the context of this this passage, it's talking about spiritual armor, you know, putting on the belt of truth and putting on the breastplate of righteousness and and shodding your feet with the the preparation of the readiness of the gospel of peace and taking up the sword of the Spirit. So the context is this warfare context. And in the midst of that, at the end of that, kind of tying it all together, is a strategic weapon that the the Bible calls prayer, okay? And prayer is, is in Intended to connect you to the infinite power of God's wisdom and God's strength to enable you to do the things that are so hard for us by nature to do. Okay, and I just want to I just want to ask this question: Do you think of prayer in those terms? Is that the way you think of prayer? When you think of prayer, are you thinking of this is my lifeline to the power and the grace and the strength that I need to be able to live out all these commands, to be able to, 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 to love my husband and not provoke my children to wrath and, and submit? And is, is that the way you look at prayer? I was going through the line yesterday at Subway. And uh, there's this guy and his wife, and he's got five kids. He's got he's got one son. No, he's got one daughter and and uh, and four sons. And and they're sitting there at Subway. And I, I was almost like, man, that's the opposite of the Dirks, you know. I mean, we always eat at Subway, but we eat there on Sunday. And we have uh, uh, four daughters and one son, and he's got you know four four sons and one daughter. And you know, it's kind of the anti the, the opposite Dirks family right there in front of me. And I, so I'm just kind of watching them. You know, I'm watching kind of how their family works. And you know, it's the same as ours. It takes about 20 minutes to get everybody just sit down and everybody's sandwich unwrapped and drinks filled and you know, lids on and straws in and napkins and all that. So they do all that, you know, and, and it's long line. So I'm watching them this whole time. And then the dad, you know, I can see, I, I don't remember what he does, but he does something. So everybody knows it's time to pray. And all the kids, they bow their heads and, and that dad says a prayer. I couldn't hear what he prayed. Uh, but you, you know, what, what do you think he's doing there? You know, and I, I don't know exactly what it was in his heart that he was doing, but how do you look at that? How do you look at that when a guy sits his family down and he prays for them? What's he doing in that you know what i think he ought to be doing and i hope this was in this guy's heart but i know it's in my heart he ought to be thinking you know what i'm doing right now i'm protecting my family i'm guarding my family i'm throwing up a shield in front of my little girl and i'm carrying my wife through some rugged terrain and i'm stepping in front of of my sons to face a killer you know you ever look at prayer that way you know Right there in Subway, is that what's happening? Is that, is that stretching it? Is that, is that using the imagination too much? I don't really think it is. I mean, John 10.10 10 tells us there's a thief who's come to steal, kill, and destroy your family. First, first Peter 5.8 tells us that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion. Lions don't lick people. They maul people. The picture the Bible wants to give us is there's real danger involved here. I mean, there's a real battle going on. It's a battle for the hearts and minds of, uh, of, of our souls, our, our family, our children, our, our church family. I mean, that's the thing that's going on here. And the Bible wants us to see prayer not as this kind of nicety thing that, that's for kids. You, you know, that's the way a lot of people look at prayer, isn't it? Is it's kids stuff. Uh, you see that in a lot of families, in a lot of families, and there's nothing wrong with letting the kids pray. We do that at our family. In fact, Haven has gotten into the phase where she insists on praying all the time. In fact, most of the time how it goes is I, I have to pray, and then, then she, she's going to pray. You know, she, she, she insists on it. I mean, it's kind of like the new thing in our house. I don't think she really knows what she's doing, but, but, but she's excited about it, okay? And so there's nothing wrong with, with allowing the kids to pray. But a lot of people, it's like, that's the kids' department, okay? You know, we got to have kids so that they can pray at the table. You know, I, I don't think we ought to look at it that way. 
Some people look at prayer like it's, it's kind of this, this reciting of poetry. You know, it's supposed to be elegant and pretty. And, and, and you know why I know people think that? Because I hear people all the time say, well, I, I don't pray well. You know, and what, what do they mean by that? It's not that they don't know. They're, they're not saying I don't know scripture. I don't know what to pray. I'm not battling in prayer. They're saying I don't sound pretty when I talk. Okay, is what they're saying. You know, I mean, if we look at it in battle imagery, does that even matter? You know, I mean, can you imagine a soldier? Man, I just, I don't know if I'm going to, I can't run anybody through with my sword because I can't do it nice and pretty like they do it on TV. You know, I mean, is that, is that, is that you know, can you imagine that? You know, I can't fire my weapon because I don't really have a, you know, I, I don't bring it up real gracefully. You know, I, I mean, how stupid is that? You know, I mean, if we're looking at it in, in, in the imagery that the Bible presents it right here, you know, they, they take up the sword of the spirit and the next phrase is praying at all times in the spirit. I mean, this, this is battle language. Okay. When a guy sits his family down at subway and prays, what he ought to be thinking is, I'm putting up a hedge of protection around my family. I'm doing something spiritual. I'm looking out for their welfare. We understand that it's hard to live the Christian life. It's hard to be a teenager in Woodward High School and be a Christian. It's hard to be a mom juggling a family and a job. It's hard to do those things. It's hard to love your wife. It's hard to submit your husband. It's hard to not provoke your children to anger. It's hard, and so we want to be people who pray. Being a person who knows how to pray and actually invest time in prayer is really crucial to battling against the things that would keep us from being where God wants us to be. Uh, prayer is, is part of your defense. So, so right away, you know, think about this, okay? If, that, if that's true, if prayer is this big part of, of the defense in the Christian life and of, of us being able to do these hard things that God's called us to do, you know what? If, if you can't get any traction in your Christian life, if you find yourself always up against these hard things and you're not getting victory... You know, you're not desiring the right things and you're struggling to have the right attitude. You, you can't get free from certain sins in your life. Well, you know, one of the first questions, kind of a self-diagnostic question that you ought to be asking yourselves is, how's my prayer life? You know, I mean, doesn't that make sense? I mean, if this, if this, if this is crucial, if this is an, an intricate part of, of, of Paul saying, Here, here's how you fight this battle. Here's how you do these hard things. Okay. If that's true, then if we're not doing the hard things, one of the things we ought to be asking ourselves right away is, okay, how is my prayer life? Whenever a couple comes in uh, to talk to me about their marriage and, and I'm doing counsel with them, one of the first questions I ask them is, are you guys praying together? And, and many of you will be, you will testify, not, 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 not even, you didn't have to come to me for counseling, but if I come to your house, more than likely, I'm going to ask you that question just because I think that's a pivotal question for a married couple to answer, are you praying together? Now, 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 what I mean by that is not, is she praying and is he praying? Because a lot of times they'll say, well, yeah, we pray. You know, they'll try to be real vague about it, but I'll press them. Do you pray together out loud in each other's presence? You know, I mean, I have to be real specific. You know, it's not, it's not, a lot of couples is, well, I think he prays, you know. I mean, he has his eyes closed in the chair, you know. He's either sleeping or he's praying, I'm not sure which. And Yeah, I think she prays, you know. She she takes her, her Bible in the bathroom, and so I, I'm assuming, you know, I mean, I'm a lot of couples work that way. That's not what I'm asking. I'm asking her, do you see prayer as a means to protect your marriage? Do you see prayer as a means to cultivate the intimacy that God wants you to, to have in your, in your family? Do you see prayer as, 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 as part of the, one of the big building blocks of who you are as a family? And, you know, as we think about that, the question shouldn't be, why should we pray? But the question should be, why in the world would we not pray? 
You know, when you, when you imagine, just get it in your head, the privilege of prayer, that we can talk to the first and best of all beings. I mean, is that not awesome? Uh, the other day, I think this is true. Um, somebody told me this. Wasn't like Jason White and uh, a couple of the OU guys, weren't they in town? Is that right? Is that, am, I, am I right on that? that? Weren't they like at the supermarket or something? People stood in line, you know, and you could get like a card signed or whatever, or get an autograph, you know. I, I mean, here, here we are, Woodrow, Oklahoma. Uh, there's a football player. He doesn't even play anymore. I don't think he does. He doesn't play anymore, right? He doesn't play anymore. He used to play, okay? And uh, college ball, and he comes to United, and people line up to be able to talk to this guy, okay? How much more the guy that spoke the stars into existence? You get your head around that? The guy that, the, the creator of all things, the God of the universe, the king of kings, the author of your redemption, your only hope from a place called hell for all eternity. How much more is it a privilege? Is, is it at the core of, uh, of, of who we are as Christians to want to talk to God? To want to plead with Him? To want to pour out our heart and, and ask for help and acknowledge blessings and praise and compliment and ask for forgiveness and seek reconciliation and seek the gifts of God that come through prayer? Folks, we are changed by coming to know God's glorious attributes and it makes sense that, that, that communication with God, knowing God, loving God, seeking God, interacting with God would be crucial in that whole process. Here's what I believe about Jesus. He's the wisest being in the universe, okay? So when I need wisdom, you know, it makes sense that I'm going to go to some of my buddies, some people that I respect and admire. But man, how much more sense does it make that I'm going to go to Christ? And, and when I need power, I mean, it makes sense that, that I'm going to go somewhere where I think they can help me, somebody that has the capability to help me. But how much more sense does it make that I'm going to go to Christ, who, who is of infinite power? You know, I, I mean, Jesus is everything we need. And so it makes, makes sense to me, just logically, that we're, if we believe that about Christ, we are followers of Jesus, which means we believe those things about Jesus. Not everybody does. I get that. Not everybody thinks Jesus is awesome. Not everybody thinks that Jesus is the first and best of beings. Not everybody thinks that Jesus is the satisfier of souls. Not everybody thinks that. Some people are bored to death with Jesus. That's why they're not followers. Because they don't see who he is. But we're the people who see who he is. So why wouldn't we want to talk to him? Look at the way that, that Paul describes prayer here. Bunch of things, more than we can cover today. But let me just take a few of them here. Verse 18, he says, praying at all times in the spirit. Okay, now I want to talk about what that, what does that mean to pray in the spirit? All right, this is not a sweat lodge induced trance where you get delirious. Okay, a lot of people, when they, when they hear things like that, pray in the spirit. They think, oh man, that's not for me. You know, that's those guys that see visions and, you know, coyotes come up in the smoke and, you know, all, all kinds of, you know, stuff like that. You know, don't, don't think of it that way. It's not, it's really not that complicated. Okay, praying in the spirit is very similar to praying in Jesus name. Okay. Praying in the spirit is simply praying consistent with the will of the Holy Spirit. Did you know the Bible tells us that the spirit of God intercedes for you? Isn't that a cool thing that the Holy Spirit is praying for you? That, that is so encouraging to me that the Spirit of God is praying for me. Now, here's what we want to do. We want to line up our prayer with the Spirit's prayer, okay? We, we, we want to pray what the Spirit is praying. And one of the best ways to do that is to use the Word of God in your prayer, okay? Because you know what this Word is? This, this, this Word right here, this Bible, it is the, the breathings of the Spirit of God. It's inspired by the Spirit of God. And so if we want to pray consistent with the Holy Spirit, then we pray consistent with the Word of God. 
Okay, so, so whatever the Word of God is, is saying with the will of the Word of God, we want to be praying the same thing, okay? So, so when I think about how do I pray for, for my family, well, I want to open the Bible up and see what God's will for my family is. And, and I, want, I want to pray for my kids that they would obey their parents, that they would honor their mother and father. Because we just looked uh, a couple weeks ago that this is the first, first commandment with a promise that they may go well with them and live long in the land. So I'm going to pray that for my kids. And I'm going to go through the Bible and I'm going to look at what God's will is. I'm going to pray those things for my family and for myself. Look at what else it says. It says, pray at all times. Pray at all times. Verse 18, praying at all times. What does that mean? You know, we talked last week, we were looking at putting on the belt of truth. And, and we talked about how we got to be careful that we don't say things that really aren't true. You know, and one of the things we brought up was, you know, if you say, well, I pray all day long, you know. And sometimes that might be true, but a lot of times I think we we really are not taking a realistic look at how much do we really pray. You know, we may think, well, I kind of think about God from now and then, but do I really pray all day long? You know, is that really true of me? Okay, but but here, I mean, Paul almost commands that we we have that sort of attitude, praying at all times. Now, what does that mean? Well, what it, what it doesn't mean, first of all, is I don't think it it means that we're in a position of prayer all day long. Okay, because obviously that can't mean that you got to drive to work and you got to you got to go on location and you got to interact with people and you got to read books and you got to you got to do what you do. You got to take care of kids. You got to change diapers. You got to cook. You know, and so obviously we're not in a position of concentrated prayer all day long. But I think what it does mean a couple of things. I think it means a God consciousness in which we bring the presence of God. We, we focus on the presence of God all day long. In other words, God is always a part of whatever we're doing. Okay. If you're taking care of your kids, God's a part of that. Okay. If you're, if you're going to work, God's a part of that. If, if you're interacting with lost people, God's a part of that. You're, you're aware of his presence and you're interacting with him. Almost like, you know, if I take Haddon with me, uh, and I do this sometimes, if I take him to the hospital with me, okay, I'm not always talking to Haddon. Sometimes I'm talking to the patient and then I'm interacting with, with whoever I'm there to visit. But, but I'm aware that he's there. You know, I'm, I'm kind of watching for him. You know, I'm, 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 I, he, I know he's in the room there. Okay? He's a factor in what I'm doing. And so a lot of times I'll bring him into the conversation and I'll say, you know, put my arm around. Well, you know, hadn't I got to go? You know, I'm aware that he's with me. Does that make sense? In the same way, it's a God consciousness that God is with you in whatever you do. Whatever conversation you're having, you're always aware that God's there. His presence is there. And so you're bringing, he's a factor in whatever you do. And I think the way that that ends up working is, is that whenever we're tempted, you know what we do? We, we quickly plead for strength, you know, right there in our mind. Whenever we're hurt, man, we're aware of God's presence. God, you got to help me not to be unforgiving. I, get, I just got hurt. Lord, help me not to be unforgiving. When you're having a conversation with someone that doesn't know Christ, you know, right away in your mind, Lord, you know, this guy doesn't know Christ. Help me to say the right thing here. When you're frustrated, you're praying for patience. When you're depressed, you're praying for joy. When you're selfish, you're praying that God would help you to love that person. It's, it's an interaction with God all day long. And it may just be short, quick prayers. But, but, but he's in the room there. He's present with you. He's a factor. You're not ignoring him. You're not leaving him out. You respond in the circumstances of your life by coming to God. I, I think it also means that we're praying, we're praying in all the spiritual things we do in the sense of the armor. Okay, I want to I come back to the context uh, the armor just told us that, uh, or God just told us we are to put on the armor of God, and that, that's things like the breastplate of righteousness, and taking up the sword of the Spirit, and uh, the helmet of salvation. Those things are all done um, with prayer, okay? Does that make sense? When I take up the breastplate of righteousness, and I appropriate the gospel of Jesus to me, 
I think I do that in prayer. Uh, I'm talking to God about that. Uh, I think prayer is a vital part of, of all that we just talked about last week in what we're to do. Now, no, notice, not only pray at all times and praying in the Spirit, but the next phrase, uh, look in verse 18 there, is pray with all prayer and supplication. Now, Paul chooses a couple different words to use for prayer. Those are two different words. They're, they're two different kinds of prayer. But I think the point that Paul is making is we need to pray with all, ki- all different kinds of prayer, okay? All different types of prayer. When you think of prayer, probably, maybe not, maybe not everybody, but probably what you think of immediately is intercession, right? Uh, whenever you think of prayer, you think of praying for somebody, uh, in fact, a lot of people have, have said to me, and I'm just going to go over this again. I know I've said this to you before, but I need to correct this theology. A lot of people have said, you know, I don't pray for myself. I just pray for others. And they look at that as almost a spiritual thing. That is not a spiritual statement, okay? You are commanded to pray for you, okay? And, and, and yes, we do pray for others, but you desperately need to pray for you. You know why? Because you need help. And I need help. We all need help, okay? We're, we're broken sinners. And so if you're not praying for you, part of what that's saying to God is, you know, God, I don't really need you. I got this thing together. You know, I am, I am completely sufficient. And, you know, I just got it all together. And, God, I'm, I'm, I'm in a church with a bunch of messed up people. And, man, they need prayer. So, God, I'm praying for them. But, Lord, I'm okay, okay? That's no good, all right? That's no good to think that way, okay? So, so we didn't need to pray for ourselves. But, but one, of the, one of the words Paul uses here is prayer for other people, okay? We need to make supplication for the saints is what, what Paul specifically says in verse 18, okay? So there's different kinds of prayer. And most, time, most of the time when people think of, of, of prayer, they think of praying for somebody else. There's lots of other different kinds of prayer. Let me give you some, okay? Thanksgiving. Okay, in your prayer life, how much time do you devote to being thankful? You know, if you open up the Bible and if you just look at all the prayers throughout the Bible, did you know that Thanksgiving composes a lot of those prayers? Okay, I mean, it's, it's a big chunk uh, of people giving thanks to God for what he's done. And, and as you look at the battle, and you've heard me say this before, I think being thankful, having a thankful heart is one of the most aggressive things you can do against your sin. Okay, really. Having a thankful heart is, is, is like being aggressive against the sins in your life. Okay? Now, there's a couple, a couple different reasons for that. First of all, when you are thankful, what you're acknowledging is that God has done some awesome things in your life. Okay? So, first of all, you're acknowledging what God's done. Uh, whenever you have a thankful heart, you're saying, okay, God, I believe that you've forgiven me of my sins. I believe that you fill me with your Holy Spirit. I believe you're providentially looking over me. I believe that you've cared for me. I believe that you've given me everything I need. I mean, you're acknowledging all the blessings that God has done. And what that does is it gives a sense of fullness in your life, okay? A sense of fullness in your life. And, and when people are full, think about this. When people are full, they... they, they, they Temptation does not have the hold on them or the appeal to them than when they're empty. Okay? Think about your relationship. Let's just, let's just use marriage. Marriage is an easy one here. But if you feel empty in your marriage, you know, if you feel like, man, I am unloved and I'm uncared for and I'm unappreciated and I just have this sense of, of emptiness in my marriage. Okay, what does that do? That creates a huge opportunity for temptation, does it not? It creates a huge opportunity for, for uh, uh, bitterness and for resentment and for anger and for even, even, even sexual temptation or uh, adultery or immorality. Okay, all of those things would be opened up by a sense of emptiness in that relationship. Okay? 
Same thing with your relationship with God. Uh, that's, what, that's, what, that's what the devil pulled on Adam and Eve in the garden. Remember, what he, remember his tactic with Eve? His tactic with Eve was basically to get her from being, wow, I am blessed, to man, God's, God's held out on us. And he does that in that temptation, doesn't he? I mean, he's like, you know, Eve, you can't eat of any tree of the garden, and I can't believe that. And God won't let you eat of that, and God's withholding this fruit from you. Eve, did you know that if you eat that fruit, you'll be like God, and man, you're really missing out right now because you'll know good from evil, and you'll be your own God? Okay, what he's doing is he's creating a sense of discontent in Eve's life. Okay? He's slandering the character of God. He's doing a lot of things there. But what I'm saying is thanksgiving is the antidote to all of that. A person who has a thankful heart puts a hedge of protection around their life. Man, I tell you what, it, 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 it's an incredibly aggressive spiritual move for you to just spend time each day just thanking God. Man, God, I'm thankful for my family and I'm thankful for my wife. And here are the things I love about my wife. And God, here are the things that thank you so much that, that she does this well. And Lord, I thank you for my kids. And I know they're not perfect, but I thank you that this has happened in their life. And I thank you that they're here. And thank you for giving them to me. And God, thank you for my job. God, thank you that I live in this country. Thank you that, that we're so prosperous. Thank you, Lord, for all that you provided for us. Thank you, Lord, that, that you know, my kid didn't get hit by a car today. <laughs> thank you, God. I mean, man, when you just start going through and just thanking God, it creates a sense of fullness in you that serves as a protection against temptation. What, what an incredible weapon. Okay? So, thanksgiving. What about confession? Man, there's some great confession prayers in the Bible. I love Nehemiah. Nehemiah is, is a godly man. Uh, he's really not even been a part of a lot of the, 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 the sins of, of, of Israel. But listen to how he starts his prayer to God as he's contemplating going back and repairing the wall. He says in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 6, Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant, that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. And he goes on to be specific about the kind of sins. I mean, I mean, those are very common in the Bible. The Bible lifts up and says, look, you need to be confessing your sins. That should be a part of your prayer life. You know, if you look at your life right now and you look at your prayer time, you say, you know what? I do spend a few minutes each day praying, but I always just pray for other people and for, you know, different things in my life. You know, but I don't really confess my sins. If you're in the habit of not confessing your sins, not having times where you go before God and confess your sins to Him, there's only three options that I can think of. Number one, you're not sinning, okay? If that is the option that, that, that is true, I am truly impressed today, okay? And would really love to talk with you afterward if you're going long periods of your life without sinning, because that's awesome, all right? I really doubt it's the case, but it's awesome if it is. Number two... It could be that you don't realize your sin, okay? And that, that really could be an option, that you just don't realize your sin. You don't realize that this attitude that you have is, 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 not, is, not, is not pleasing to God, is dishonoring to God, or this way that you treat people is, 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 is defiling and, and unholy before the Lord. So it could be you just don't realize your sin. Maybe you, you've not read enough of the Word of God that you realize when you're sinning. Or number three, you're simply ignoring your sin. Okay? You're making it not a big deal in your life. Okay? All three of those options are no good in my mind. Because okay? the first one I don't believe is true. And the other two are bad for you spiritually. And so look at your life and just ask yourself this. Am I, do I have regular times of confession in my life? Because you need those to combat, to, to, to war against the temptations and the dangers of the Christian life. It's dangerous to ignore sin in your life. 
If a heart of anger takes root and it's not confessed, it's not brought to the Lord, that's going to lead to other sins in your life. Bitterness and resentment and anger. If you've got a heart of pride and it's not dealt with, it's not brought before the Lord and said, Lord, this this is rotten and it's evil and I'm confessing it. If, If you don't deal with that, it's going to spread. And so... Prayers of confession are essential. Psalm 139, verse 23, listen what it says. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. I mean, I think that's a great prayer. That the psalmist says, look, God, search over my heart. I mean, I think think it's a wise thing just to give time each day for God just to examine your heart. See, God, I'm just right here before you, Lord. How's my attitude? God, how's my words been? God, how have I treated my family? God, have I been patient? God, how have, I, how have I treated the people that I work with? God, has my conversation been okay? Just let, let God examine your heart. Let Him speak to your heart. I, I guarantee He's going to bring things to your mind. Praise and adoration. That's another type of prayer. Remember Paul is saying praying with all prayer and supplication. So all types of prayer and supplication. Uh, praise and adoration. Psalms are full of this. Let me give you a verse. One of my favorites. Psalm 18.2. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God. My rock in whom I take refuge. My shield and the horn of my salvation. My stronghold. That's one verse. What's the psalmist doing in all of that? He's saying, God, this is who you are. Okay? I like that. That's what praise is. Praise is not thanking God for what he's done. Praise is saying, God, this is who you are. You're a rock and you're a shield and you're a fortress and you're my salvation. You're all of these things. You know what praise does? Praise gives us a right view of God. It reminds us of who God is. Man, I tell you what, that's a great, that's a great defense against temptation is remembering who God is. And then finally, look at this last thing, making supplication for all the saints. Uh, interceding for other people in prayer. You know what? God has designed the kingdom. God has designed the kingdom so that it's moving in this massive way and it's going to end right where God wants it to end and it's going to end how God wants it to end and God is going to orchestrate all of that by the means of prayer. Okay? What I'm telling you is God has designed, He has chosen for whatever reason to run things in the kingdom through the prayers of the saints. And so it, 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 it's an important thing that we be praying, okay? In a real way, we fight together. We help each other in the Christian life. We release the power of God and the grace of God and the wisdom of God into the lives of other believers when we pray for them. Think about it. How, how cool is it that you can help your friend be holy? How cool is it that you can pray for the men in this church to, to be godly husbands and fathers. How cool is it that, that, that you, can, you can aid your spouse in spiritual battle and the, the difficult things in their life? How, how cool is it that you can, you can pray for your kids? I mean, what, what a great gift that God has given. You know, there are a lot of times that we desperately want to help people, but we don't have the means to do it. You ever, you ever found yourself in that situation? Man, you desperately want to help your kid or you want to help your friend, and, but, but I mean, there's, there's nothing physically you can do, Okay? Man, how cool is it that, that we can intercede for them in prayer and release the power of God into their lives? I think, there's a, I think there's a spiritual benefit for us in praying for other people. I've seen that in my own life. I mean, you're being a channel of blessing. You're being a channel of ministry. Just in the same way that when you serve others in the kingdom, uh, I think you receive a blessing through that. But, but when you pray for others, I believe God brings a blessing. Here's a good question. Is it a sin not to pray for other people? 
I mean, let's just say you're like, you know what? I know other people are going to handle that. I'm really busy. I don't have much time to pray. And so I, I just don't, I pray for my family, but that's about it. Is it a sin to, to have these brothers and sisters in your life that you're not praying for? I think it is. First Samuel chapter 12, verse 23. Uh, Samuel is really irritated with the people of God. Uh, Israel is being rebellious. They're demanding a king. They shouldn't be demanding a king. Samuel's told them that. They won't budge. And so, I mean, he's just really frustrated and irritated with the people of God. And in verse 23, uh, they, he says this, Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. Even though they're rebellious, even though they're, they're blowing it, you know, Samuel says, look, it would be a sin for me not to pray for you. Let me ask you, you drive by my house, 3601 Cheyenne Drive, and you see that I've been changing my tire and the jack has fallen and the, the axle of the car has fallen on my leg. And there I am just, you know, flopping and wailing and screaming. Okay. This almost happened one time, actually. That's why I'm telling you this story. So you drive by my house and you see all this happen. Okay. Would it be a sin for you to roll down the window and say, Hey, Pastor Jason, hope it goes well. Would that be a sin? That'd be a sin, wouldn't it? It would. It'd be a sin. I mean, I think we all agree. You say, well, hey, I didn't cause the accident. I know you didn't cause the accident. But, it, but if you see me in that condition and you don't help, that's a sin. Okay, now what if, what else change a little bit? What if you see it, and you're like, oh, and you pull in and you grab some Kleenexes. And, you know, I'm snotting all over because I'm wailing and everything, you know, and I'm crying out in pain. And you come over and, and you wipe my nose off and you kind of clean me up a little bit. And you're like, man, I hope this goes well for you, brother. And you get back in the car, you know, and leave. Is that a sin? I think that's a sin. You know, now you stop and you help. Great. But I had a greater need that you completely ignored. Right? Jack the van back up. Okay. I mean, that's what I need. And, and so as we think about each other. Sometimes, sometimes we completely ignore each other, don't we? You got people that are struggling, you just completely ignore them. That's a sin. Other times, you got people that are struggling, and, and you go with the Kleenex, and you help a little bit, you know. But let me ask you this. You got somebody, you got a family that's, man, their marriage is tanking. You got a family that their kids are rebellion. You got a family that, that their job has crashed, and they're unemployed, and they're, they're struggling financially. I think if you stop short of interceding for that family, if you stop short of praying for that family, I think you're sinning. I mean, obviously, there's Christians all over the world. We have a responsibility to pray for, for our brothers and sisters across the world. When the Spans come, they give us a prayer list. Here's what you can pray for. When the Williams come, they do the same. When the Kirkendalls were here a couple months ago, they did the same. Okay? But how much more responsibility when we see we are each other's faith family? We see each other every week. I think it's a sin. I think it can be a sin to not pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Look at this last phrase. It says, keep alert with all perseverance. Keep alert with all perseverance. You, you know what I think of? I, I don't think this is the main point of that. But what I think of when, when, when I first read that about prayer, keep alert with all perseverance. I think of how easy it is for your mind to stray and for... For you to quit praying. Does that make sense? I, I think how difficult it is to just concentrate in prayer. And to persevere in prayer. Um, that's a real thing. I think one of the biggest struggles that we have as Christians and with prayer. Is praying vague prayers. You know what vague prayers are? God bless my church. 
Okay, that's a good prayer. That's a good prayer. But you know what? You know what it lacks? It lacks effort. It lacks any kind of diligent seeking of the Lord. All right, we want God to bless our church, but what do we really need with that? You know, if if you've been here at Lincoln very long, you know what's happening here in a a month or so. We're going to be opening up a a second campus and a third service. You know what we need to be praying for? Man, we need to desperately be praying for unity. Why why do I say that? Because, man, we're going to be taking a group from here and putting them over there. And and we're only going to see each other on Sunday nights and on Wednesday nights and small groups, things like that. And so there's going to be this challenge right away. Man, we need to be praying for that. We need to be praying, God, specifically, keep us united. God, we need, we need the right people to go there and the right people in each service. And, God, we need three healthy services. And, God, we need people in each service who will reach out and who will, who will be friendly and who will minister and who, who, will, who will be the Kenny Bowers at the door that he was for so many years in that second day. We need people in every service, God, for that. And, God, we need you to raise up new leaders because, God, we don't have enough leaders. I mean, those, those are specific things, aren't they? But you know what? For us to pray that way, that demanded we think about our church, didn't it? And when we read the Bible about our church, it demanded a, an effort on our part. And so many times, we're not praying with, with alertness and watchfulness. Watch and pray go together all the time in the Bible. Remember, remember Matthew twenty six forty one. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. I don't think we have this one on the screen, but uh, Jesus says to his disciples, "Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak." You know what? Prayer helps you watch. First of all, okay. Prayer helps you watch. So as you pray, in other words, if I if I pray for my kids, it helps me watch my kids. Okay, watch in the sense of, man, be aware of what's going on in their life. Be aware of what they're facing. Be aware of their struggles. And here's what I've found. It's real easy for me just not to be aware. But if I give time each day, and if I say, Lord, I, just, I want to pray for Hannah. God, and I just pray for her. And it makes me think about what does Hannah need? Ah, she's, she's 17, and she's, she's got senior year of high school, and she's thinking about college. And, and it helps me think about, okay, what does she need, God? And what do you want to do in her life? And, 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 and how's her spiritual life? And what, 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 what kind of things are going on in her life that I need to pray about? Okay? So prayer helps us watch. And here's the cool thing. Watching helps us pray, doesn't it? You you know what Jesus was telling his disciples in the garden? Man, guys, look around. There's something big going to happen, okay? These guys are going to come around the corner. They're going to arrest me. They're going to flog me and beat me and torture me all night. And I'm going to die on the cross. And the biggest thing in all of human history is about to happen. And they're sleeping. You know why? Because they weren't watching. So, so you have these two, two things that go together. And, and, and Paul is saying, look, as you, as you think about prayer and, and defending and, and, and spiritual battle, you've you got to keep alert with all perseverance. Be tuned into things spiritually. Watch. Watch for what, what sins you're inclined to. Watch for when your family's under attack. Watch for when your children are struggling. Watch for when your marriage is strained. Watch for when your church is distracted and losing its focus. Watch and pray. Pray and watch. Those things go together. Man, what an incredible privilege we have to pray. And what an incredible need we have to pray. I'll just say this. You want your, you want your Christian life to grow? I, you want your, your family to, to be more in line with what God wants? I think the most important thing you could do is give concentrated time, give real effort to prayer. 
Lots of different ways to do that. Prayer list, prayer journal, write down your goals, pray in the Word of God, things we've talked about before. It's crucial. Let's pray. Father, we need you, God, to help us to be aware of of what kind of things we're going to face as a church and what kind of things we're going to face as families and what kind of things we're facing just as Christians. And so, Father, we ask you to to help us to, to be to be watching, to be alert, uh, to be awake. And Lord, as, as, as we watch, God, help us to pray. Uh, pray specific, powerful prayers, asking you for great things in our lives and in our families and in our church. Father, make us people of prayer. In Jesus' name.